Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Joe Croucher. We're here live in Las Vegas on Radio Row, recording Thursday afternoon. We've got Aiden Hutchinson about five yards to my right, he is one of the largest human beings I've ever seen. Uh, Drew Dinsick, <laughs> another kind of reasonably sized human being. And we also have Trista Crick from Odyssey uh, Heat Check Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Trista. Um, how are you liking Vegas so far? Oh, it's been amazing. I think that this is one of the best cities for event coverage that you could possibly have. It's, it never feels like too packed except for Radio Row. You can walk around the sports book, walk around the casino, walk around the hotel and not feel like there's a massive event, so you can kind of go in and out of it. We, we went to dinner last night. It was like 70% at capacity. It was one of the better restaurants in yep. Mandalay Bay. Yeah, no question. And uh, the buzz is very real. Uh, today especially, it feels like everybody uh, kind of got the memo, hey, this is going to be a must-participate must event. Uh, and, uh, you know, the city was built for this. And uh, really, uh, they've done a tremendous job so far taking care of us. Yep. Well, I've been here for four nights now, um, and I feel a lot worse than I did four nights ago, but I think you needed a game plan for this city. I'm happy with how I've eaten. Eating has been fine. Really? I'm really happy with my hydration. I've drunk a, a lot of water. My H2O, but like $11 water? No, no. We have like these, we have the free waters from NBC, and Good. I just, um, like I hijack six or seven of them before I go back to my room um, each day. So very happy with the water situation. Even drinking has been fine. It's just sleep. Sleep has yeah. kind of gotten away from me. Um, have you done any nightlife activities besides just dinner and drinks with friends and casino stuff? Have you gone went, to any shows? Went to the Sphere uh, last night to you see too? you two. Yeah, which was great. Um, <laughs> one uh, A-plus venue, maybe the best venue I've ever been at for a concert or for anything, really. It's ridiculous. Uh, also, like, I never don't really think about the band U2 that much, but um, I think they're probably like the third most famous band of all time after the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I think you two might be third. Um, and also they just have a ton of songs that you just, you don't realize that you know, but then they start playing them. And it's like, oh, I know With or Without You and Vertigo and Elevation and Beautiful Day and uh, Gloria and everything. So uh, yeah, no, it was, it was really good. Um, all right, let's talk about football. Uh, you're on the Chiefs, which uh, hurts my feelings, but we can get into that. And you like backing Chiefs alternates. So what's the angle for <laughs> the Chiefs uh, blowing out the Niners, do you think? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, right? And I thought that the Chiefs and, and the futures bets for the Niners obviously changing how that line is. I think I thought the Chiefs would maybe be like a pick. And so when I got Chiefs plus three, I thought to myself, well, there's just no shot that after all of we've seen this path that the Chiefs have had, to me in my mind as I'm thinking about narratives, this matchup, this defense, and really how the Niners have looked along the postseason. That's kind of my main top-line thought for this breakdown is the Niners look bad against the Packers. Niners look bad against the Lions. 
and then they found a way to get back into the game. If they do the type of tomfoolery that they've done <laughs> in the last two games against the Chiefs, I mean, they're scoring 10 points. That's what, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to be watching the second half if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll call, it a, call it a season. Um, all right, we're, we're, we're Niners men. Um, yeah, it, but you, uh, guys are, you guys are legitimate sharks. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, the reason. Way of, way of, like, kind of way, <laughs> we're Niners men, but I don't think either of us are like, super no, confident. No. There's a chance that Purdy could just melt. No, I would not no. be shocked. Like, I would not be stunned at all if we see Purdy's Baltimore performance again. And that, would I think, would be the that's case That's what I had in my Chiefs. mind as well. Well, alternates is that he could just melt they yeah. could be playing from behind and have a game script where they have to drop back and throw and I think the thing with Purdy is we've seen that when he makes mistakes they do tend to compound uh, and it seems like he does get in his own head a bit now to his credit uh, the world was falling apart in both of the playoff games and he was able to get himself out of that but uh, yeah there's Bad certainly defenses, some though. yep not great defenses that's fair it's it's gonna be interesting just to see how Purdy and Shanahan uh, how they're able to combat Spags and his blitzes. Because all season, the Niners have been amazing against the Blitz, but the way Spags blitzes is uh, more confusing. Uh, and, yeah, Purdy, there's a chance that he could uh, he could just break, potentially. Yeah, and, I mean, I think uh, in the immediate aftermath of knowing this being was going to be the matchup, everybody was kind of like, yeah, you know, somewhere between three and pick. You yeah. know? And so it, there's very narrow edges in this uh, market. But as it happens, when you're on Radio Row and you do 500 hits in the balance of a week, you <laughs> talk up you know your uh, your position and so maybe it feels uh, a little bit more like uh, um, you know that there's no doubt that the Niners will win this game based on sort of all what you know you talk yourself up um, but uh, the scope for the Chiefs to win is absolutely there um, are there any particular uh, weaknesses or concerns about the Chiefs as you are holding an alternate uh, spread there yeah I think it's the run defense okay right that's like my main concern you've got Christian McCaffrey best running back in the business and Shanahan, like Shanahan is going to have a scheme dialed up to take the pressure off of Purdy. That's what he does. That's what he knows to do. That's what he did with Jimmy Garoppolo. He obviously has a better quarterback on his team now, but I think Christian McCaffrey is going to get the, the rock a lot on the ground to try to combat those blitzes, right? So I think, you know, Christian McCaffrey attempts is in play for me. What is happening here with this? Uh, receptions as a sure. safety valve for Brock Purdy sure. as well. Uh, and then, listen, like, if the Niners go down and, and find a way to just have those long, methodical drives just like the Bills did, the Bills had a real shot to win that game. And that's, I think, how the Niners have to do it as well, is Brock Purdy on the ground as well. Like, 11 and a half rushing yards was the first bet that I placed. Yep. No, I like that. I uh, was talking to Matt Ryan this morning about – like everyone talks about how Shanahan's this amazing coach and like the play design looks awesome, but like what is it that is particularly unique about Shanahan? And he gave, I thought, a really um, interesting response where he was like, you know, Shanahan, he is obsessed with breaking rules depending on the opposing front and what you're seeing. And so it's basically like, all right, this is what they are showing. Here is the one weakness in this from the run perspective first. So it all starts with the run. The weak point of this front is we can run in between, uh, you know, garden center, garden tackle, and that's the first priority. And then the second thing off of that is, okay, so once we break that rule, then what happens when they overcompensate against the run? Exactly. Then where is the weak point uh, in play action passing? Uh, and just... Ryan was so impressed by Shanahan's ability to, I guess, 
figure out those rules in game on the fly and adjust. And I think a lot of this game is going to come down to two guys who in the playoffs have been pretty shaky so far, and Purdy <laughs> and Shanahan. Shanahan has not covered himself in glory. I don't yeah. know why this team just, there's no reason the Niners just have to suck in the first half of playoff games. Like this couldn't, shouldn't keep happening. And if it does against the Chiefs, they're probably going to lose. And then so much of the handicap is just like, all right, Brock Purdy, is he going to be the guy who destroyed Dallas, who had a perfect passer rating against the Bucks, who lit up Jacksonville? Or is he going to be the guy from the first half against Green Bay and Detroit and the Baltimore game? Um, and so, I mean, what are you expecting from Purdy uh, in this game? Do you think that there, do you think he's going to show up and be the guy who looks like an MVP candidate, or do you think that he's uh, potentially going to get overawed? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. If you look at the passing numbers, 248 and a half, I'd probably lean under. Haven't played that. It feels like, like I said before, it has to not be on his shoulders. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like him to throw a pick. I think Sneed's going to have a game. I mean, he's one of the more penalized DBs in the league, but he's freaking good, man. And sure. that back end for the Chiefs is nasty. That defense in general, they, and Chris Jones has been tremendous in the playoffs as well. He wants his bread, and he's been showing it. So the pressure for them, I think, is going to be on, and I think they're going to be able to try to get – Brock Purdy uncomfortable and I think he's got to roll out like he has to use those legs in order for them to combat what the Chiefs want to do just like Josh Allen did just like Lamar Jackson did to a degree probably should have done it more right uh, and and that to me I think is going to be like that x factor if you yeah. can get 40 yards on the ground 50 yards on the ground for Brock Purdy when things are collapsing around him and he's been really good at that and I think he won the Detroit game with his legs. Surely. Um, we could uh, use some help strategizing from someone who is coming from the Chiefs' point of view here when it comes to how to anticipate and make decisions uh, betting in-game, betting at halftime. Uh, my most ex likely outcome here is that the Niners are going to be able to find success early, generate a little bit of a lead. Um, do you think that the uh, Chiefs have the right DNA for comeback in this setting against what is a, a pretty phenomenal, you know, at least a phenomenally talented uh, front four for the Niners and uh, dealing with the weapons that have been a little bit underwhelming when it's been uh, crunch time over the course of the season? Yeah, I think if the Niners, and this is maybe me just doubling down, if the Niners go up, like I'm, I love that. <laughs> like I love okay. that. If you like, if you if you like the Chiefs minus seven when they're three-point underdogs, I, I absolutely am just entranced okay. if they're down 7-0 with, with just them to win on the money line, right? Okay. Uh, the DNA of the Chiefs are that they never, they never get into their own way. Okay. And I think that, that psychology breaks teams down. We saw that happen a little bit in Buffalo when Diggs was there underneath and Josh went to the end zone. Yep, you saw sure. that a lot in the Baltimore game. Yeah. Uh, with just a lot of the pre-game antics, the Van Noy head to Travis Kelsey, yeah. the roughing penalty. So teams seem to figure out a way to get into their own way, even when they're, they're better in terms <laughs> of the personnel, even when they've got a lead, uh, even when they're right in it. Somehow something happened with the Bengals a couple of years ago sure. or last year. So, yeah, that's kind of what I anticipate in my mind is, they're going to be able to push the right buttons, which is Kelsey, right? He's one of the best pass catchers in the postseason ever. Sure. So I like his receptions. I like his yards. I like his anytime touchdown. Everybody does, right? Sure. Rasheed Rice, I think, is right there. But Pacheco. Pacheco over 15 and a half attempts. You know, the Niners' run defense has been absolutely trash. You saw Aaron Jones do it, <laughs> right? You saw David Montgomery do it. You saw Jameer Gibbs do it. So I like Pacheco to do all the things. Okay. Yep. So what's the tipping point? At what point is the margin too great to – to you know, expect a realistic comeback for the Chiefs. Fourteen. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. It's pretty. It's yeah. It's hopefully it will be hard. It's nine as men. It will be hard for the third <laughs> time. Fourteen point deficit. Um, Seven but, uh, well, is like I asked nine. that for a specific reason, and we'll get to MVP in a moment. But I have now accumulating a little bit of uh, exposure <laughs> on uh, no for Pat Mahomes MVP, and I feel like uh, you know to cover a lot of my action, uh, if there is a you know two score deficit, betting live betting Mahomes MVP is is the way. I can cover it all, right? Yep. No, I. I think that, um, to your point, Trista, about like the DNA of this Chiefs team, I thought Romo uh, lent into this heavily on the broadcast where there is an idea of like when you are playing against Patrick Mahomes, I felt like the Ravens, because they had Mahomes on the other side, it was like they were, it was like, this has to be a touchdown every single drive or we're going to lose. And they kind of didn't realize that the Chiefs hadn't scored a single point in the second half and did not score a single point in the second half. Just the, the kind of the awe and the threat of Mahomes. Yes. It's kind of like when you were playing Roger Federer at his peak and you're up 4-1 in the fifth set, never felt like you were two games from victory, felt like you were five games from defeat. And I think that Mahomes, he definitely does have that uh, level of intimidation. And aggression Um, too, right? You talk about the motivation for the Niners. You look back before the world stopped, 2020 Miami Super Bowl, I was at that one, and they feel like probably this is their chance for revenge. Revenge is not a good uh, emotion for playing within yourself. You start to do way too much. So that's something that's really interesting to me. And you're right, like the Ravens should have just ran the ball every time. And to your point also, Chiefs are second half unders, fourth quarter unders. I mean, you guys know the trends. Uh, They've been kind of automatic bets. Yep. Uh, So Super Bowl MVP, do you think that anyone outside of Mahomes and Purdy is interesting in this market? Yeah, I think if you're talking about just based on the price, I don't think Brock Purdy wins it. I I think I rule him out. I think in general, voters don't want to give it to him. And and there's a real case for CMC regular season MVP, which he will not get. So maybe there's a makeup for him to get Super Bowl MVP at, what, 4-1. to But also, there's some probably some better prices with three touchdowns because that's probably how he has to do it and I think I saw nine to one for him to have you know three or more yep no I don't mind that I think that there is definitely Purdy might have a arbitrarily higher bar to clear than is fair because he does have a little bit of a stench on him and I also think that you know I think that the Niners are going to want to run the ball the Ravens running backs they ran the ball six times the Niners might you know quadruple that Uh, and you expect that McCaffrey I, think, I don't think this is fair, but I think if it's close between Purdy and McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey's going to win MVP. But Purdy can certainly take it out of, you know, in a sense, take it out of voters' hands sure. and just play so well that they have to give it to him. You know, he is still What the is the game script for you for Purdy to win it? Is it yards? Three is touchdowns, it zero picks. Zero picks, three touchdowns. Is it rushing yards? Like a big, is it a big play, a marquee moment? I think it's mostly just that you just can't have McCaffrey going wild and then the offense production has to be spread you know, uh, relatively equally among Ayuk and Kettle and Debo and these guys, which, you know, absolutely can be because they're all awesome. I think the main thing for Purdy is just that, because obviously any stats that those guys accumulate, they go directly to Purdy as well. It's just Purdy can't have McCaffrey going for 150. Unless it's like yak, right? Unless it's like a dump off for 80. Do I want to give Purdy the MVP (laughs) if it's a Christian McCaffrey? Well, if it happens in the first or second quarter, it gets forgotten and it just looks like he has a gaudy stat line. I guess, you know, thinking back to the NFC Championship game, who would have been the MVP of that if they had ordered one? It's 
Yeah. Very close. I th- yeah, <laughs> it probably close. would. It probably would have been pretty for me. Yeah, yeah. Just I, because there were those third and long moments yeah, yeah. where it looked like he was dead, yeah. and it's it, it's a first down and then some. His yep. second half efficiency was out of this world. McCaffrey ended up like his McCaffrey stat line was awesome in that game. He ended up having like 120. Didn't it feel quiet though? It did. Yeah, it did. That was <laughs> the thing is that he was. I, the I can't remember a single yeah. individual play. Like in that moment, I remember Purdy's. What I'll remember about that game from a Niners perspective is Purdy scrambling. Yeah, and that yes. scrambling was, you know, that won them uh, the game. Uh, and for me and Drew, hopefully it wins them again on <laughs> Sunday. So uh, you guys also have his rushing yards over 11 and a half. Yes. Yeah, I, I think like that's that. a good I like that 11 up. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, let's uh, pivot to uh, the association. Um, what was, yeah. what did you make of trade deadline day? Is there anything that really moved the needle for you? You know, I think that the one thing, as I'm looking at my notes, that I was impressed by is the Knicks. Okay. You get Boyan Bogdanovich. You bring back Alec Burks back into the house. He's a total Tibbs guy as a backup point guard. So now you have five guys shooting 40% from three, which was their Achilles heel in that that series against the Heat, they sure. couldn't buy a bucket. And for Julius Randle, Julius Randle to me is kind of, oh, this is going to be a bad comparison maybe if you clip it. <laughs> Julius Randle to me in the postseason gets kind of the, the wrong malign, same thing like Lamar. Okay. So Lamar, that was, that was not a bad game for Lamar except for that pick, right? Pick, yeah. But they didn't run the ball. They made things more difficult for Lamar than they should have. You talk about Julius Randle. Julius Randle can't get busy if the paint is packed. Sure. Unless he's doing, you know, shimmy, shimmy, tween, tween, step back, 30 feet contested. You don't want that for no. Julius Randle. He's terrible in no. those moments. <laughs> so you, you have a team that can't shoot, and so teams scheme against that. They pack the paint and makes him look horrible. So you've got all those guys, all that space open for him when he comes back from injury, and now it's like a whole different ball game. You've got OG Ananobi, one of the best spot-up shooters in the league, can defend his ass off. Can I say that? Yeah, ass off? Um, we all we all radio we all right. Las Vegas. All right, cool. I mean, I don't know because like I came from one environment, <laughs> I'm in a different environment. There's FCC, and so yeah. So he he is gonna be an awesome defender for this team, and then you add in another guy 
who, you know, Detroit gave away almost for free. Sure. Right? And they said that, that Boyan was going to get two first-round picks for him, and they turned that down. So they, they don't <laughs> even have to give up one first-round pick for him. So they get him. He can score 20 on any given night. He can shoot the leather off the ball. You have OG. Uh, you got Jalen Brunson. I mean, it's, it's just a team that I think is probably the second best in the East now. Okay. Hate the Bucks. Hate their defense. <laughs> that Pat Beverly move is interesting. But... Yeah, you didn't get rid of DeJounte. I think Atlanta kind of likes him now in the way that they're playing. And the Lakers did absolutely nothing. Golden State did absolutely nothing. So some of those contenders on the fringes, just disgusting stuff if you're LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, they weren't going to do anything anyway, so I don't no. think it matters. No. <laughs> but, they, 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 but it's they, the appearance, a, yeah, right? I think, I, yeah, the, the, it's the appearance. And I think you know we could make a list of probably half of the teams in the association. And their actions at the trade deadline kind of speak specifically to what's the plan here? Yep. What are we doing? Why are we doing Same this? Same thing with the Sixers. Yes, there's a lot of, there's a, that is a lot of, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the association feels that way. I don't even feel like we can single out who was the weirdest and hardest to figure out. But um, I think like ultimately the, um, the point about the Knicks is fair. They are probably now going to be, you know, close to, if not the uh, number two rated team in the East for me. Um, it is as long as uh, Joel Embiid is absent. Um, but I think the move for Buddy Heald was pretty decent. Um, he's actually got, uh, you know, he has uh, recovered what was looking like a lost career to, in, 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 you know, a large regard, and he does kind of fit a perfect need for that team. Um, I guess, like, the real question is, like, are they going to be in the mix? Is Joel Embiid going to come back? Uh, and if that's the case, then, you know, I don't know that uh, any of the moves that the Knicks, na- Knicks made are going to, you know, kind of get them to the next level here. So it's, it's tricky for... Uh, but if he's out yeah. four to six weeks, right? Let's just say that conservatively. Sure. And they continue at this disgusting type of play. And I don't think Buddy Heald helps them. They were the worst, you know, three-point shooting team in the league. Sure. But I don't know that Buddy Heald helps them win games. You saw what happened last night against, or two nights ago against the Warriors. They were three-and-a-half-point dogs at the crib, and they get blown out in the second half. If, if this continues, I mean, they are 10 seat. Yeah. I think the thing there is that, they're not going to fall. They're not going to fall out of the plan. They're going to be a plan team at worst. And the, I think the idea is that if you have Joel back, like you're going to be favored in whatever plan yes. game that you play. And I think now, like the team is, like it's an interesting team. Like on the presumption that Joel comes back and he's fully, he's a full go by the playoffs, which is not 100 percent sure by any means, even with the timetable, because he is a guy who needs to be fit. Like he needs to ramp up. Sure. Uh, and he's not going to be able to move for a, quite a while. And so now, if you look at the team, like. If you assume as well that they seem like the front runners to sign Kyle Lowry, and you've got a team of Melton, Maxi, Heald, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, off the bench you have Batum, potentially Lowry, Kelly Oubre, Paul Reed, Covington. Yeah. Like they have pieces, sure. um, and I think they're they're right. I, they still they still might have the second highest ceiling of any team in the oh, East. Oh, thousand percent. Um, and so yeah. I took a little sixes thirty to one to win the East, just because oh, when you're betting bet. long shots like that, you want that type of variance, but. Tris, I think your points about Randall were interesting because he's one of the strangest players in the league to me where he is like the best losing basketball player I've ever seen. <laughs> where I say, I think that he is, to me, he is like power Back forward. Of the day. Yeah, well, to me, he's like, he's power forward Jalen Brown 
And they have the same thing too, where as soon as they start backing into the post, they just assume that they're going to get their pocket picked. Um, but Randall, he, like, he just makes so many bad decisions. He is a great passer when he wants to be. He's also incredible at getting to the rim. He's so strong. He's got size on defense. To his credit as well, he's become a much better spot-up shooter. Uh, he's reliable doing that. He's not he he's hesitant. And I think... Yeah, so long as like bad Julius doesn't emerge, this team might have the second highest floor in the East just because they have so much depth. Um, but I think the sneaky thing, and people don't talk about this with the Knicks, but uh, I went to see them at the Garden when they played the Heat um, a couple weeks ago. And Jalen Brunson's incredible. He's amazing. He is an outlier good offensive player. Like he still kills them on defense because yeah. he's so small. And the Heat, when they were rolling in that game, it was like, all right, find Jalen Brunson every single possession, hunt him on a switch, hunt him on a switch. And then everyone is in rotation. And they're so, and the Knicks, they're so good and long and uh, have great attention to the detail that they can make up for it. But it's just hard when you've got that guy out on the floor on defense. And obviously he's a massive net positive overall, but that would just be my concern about the Knicks is that, you know, between Randall's Randallness uh, and Brunson on defense, I do worry a little bit about this. I just, I, is this team going to like beat Boston in the yeah, playoffs? No, it just Boston's doesn't seem like the, 700 the, in that the thing, the thing, I don't know, man. The thing about Boston that I, I always worry about, and I've been worried about since Brad Stevens was their head coach, sure. I had a whiteboard in my apartment, and the only thing on the whiteboard, swear to God, was just how many 10-point or more leads that Boston gave up. And it was like 18 the year before Brad Stevens got fired or got elevated or whatever you want to say happened to him. And what happens to Boston is they stop playing team basketball. Jalen uh, uh, Brown, you know, he can't go left. He can't dribble. We know that. Awesome defender. But Jason Tatum is really the problem for me down the stretch of games. He just disappears and then there's a phantom injury and it's like his wrist or it's his ankle. And he like just wants to be this ISO player who does the same thing that kind of Julius Randle does. Just takes these nasty deep threes for no reason early in the shot clock when he is highly contested, when yeah. there's other guys open and the Knicks, the Knicks, if he's doing that, they're going to feast. They get out into transition. You know, you've got long OG and an OB deflections. So they've added size to a, to a point where I think, and then you add in Joe Mazzula as a coach, who I think is awful. He's, just like, <laughs> well, he's basically I mean, Jason Kidd. He just stands true. there blinking. He doesn't want to make adjustments. He doesn't he really want to. likes a wanna, good blink. Yeah, no. he likes a good blink. He gives you random quotes after the game, terrible with the media, no accountability. So I, I like the Sixers in that matchup against Boston, and I like the Knicks in that wow. matchup. That, so uh, it's interesting to hear all of these points. Um, I come at the NBA from a player level kind of composite to get a fair and uh, right now, the Boston Celtics, on paper, are a super team. Thousand percent. Like it's uh, it's absurd. Uh, they and they have now depth. All both of their moves at the trade deadline were, I thought, good. Uh, Xavier Tillman so, was a good move for them. Yeah. If there's so like if you if you come out of if you look at this morass and these mess and these very confusing moves, if there was one winner, it was Boston. <laughs> like they look like now prohibitive favorites on paper uh, to get out, but uh, the intangibles are always going to be there until they ultimately win. So, I think the thing with Boston, to your point, is that. Like, they've never been a very cerebral team. Like, Tatum just doesn't very see... True. Very, very He true. just doesn't see the floor the way, you know, Jokic or Curry or Jimmy Butler and these guys do. And I think that his, he's gotten better as a passer. And, like, the thing is, is, like, I don't think people realize that Jason Tatum is... I think he's, like, three months older than Desmond Bain. Like, he is very young yeah. still. Like, he is not the fully formed version of what he will be. But it is an issue. And, like, all that stuff reared its head in the, uh, the primetime Denver game which is um, just a kind of reminder. I think the hope would be that 
there's so much talent on this team now that those deficiencies, like maybe Tatum's not a great passer, but maybe you don't need to be a great passer if there's so much space on the floor and everyone else is so good around you. So I think that um, would be the hope. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Last one for you, Trista. Uh, I think we agree on this one. Uh, you think that Tyrese Maxey is a little vulnerable as our most improved player, and he's a, still a hefty kind of minus 400, minus 500 favorite. Yeah, and for as long as Joel Embiid's going to be out, some people might initially say that it's Tyrese Maxey's you know, offense now and that he's going to play even better, but he's going to see a ton of double and triple teams. You add in Buddy Heald, who helps with that spacing, takes a little pressure off of him if he kicks out to Buddy Heald, but like Buddy Heald's also very vulnerable to bad decision making too. So Tyrese Maxey two nights ago had 12 points. He had that one really good performance, I think 51 um, right after injury, but like I think unders for Tyrese Maxey for the considerable future are a look, but I like Shane Goon, man. I think he's getting a lot of steam. Goon squad. Goon welcome, squad. To, welcome to the Goon squad. Yep. No, I, I agree. I think Maxey's very vulnerable. He's just quietly, like his his case has gotten worse over the yes. past month where now he's like 20 to 25 points per game which is fine but not all world his playmaking has gone up but his shooting efficiency has gone way down and now the team is just losing a ton of games and i think will probably continue to be a sub 500 team even with uh the small moves that they made to me the guy in the market though is kaminga uh, oh, that's a good yeah, one i think kaminga might be coming and the thing is with there is that uh, he played like the first 16 minutes of the game against Philly or something. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like if he's just going to play, if he's going to play 37, 38 minutes a game and average 22, 23 points, I was a bit skeptical on Kaminga at first. But if he's going to get this minutes load and the team is going to get good again, uh, then I think that he has a chance. Yeah, part part B is the problem. Yeah, yeah. That, part, team, that team's not getting Steve good again. Steve Kerr, <laughs> yeah. Steve Kerr also is very erratic with divvying out minutes to young guys. Sure. We saw what happened to Kaminga where he was getting a bunch of DMPs sure. or very little minutes, and then he decided to do the whole superstar thing and talk to Shams about how he has lost faith in Steve yeah. Steve Kerr, yeah. and then Steve Kerr somehow caved and gave him more minutes. So Kaminga's an interesting case study. Back to your point about Tyrese Maxey, if you look at Laurie Markkinen, who won it last year, 
20, 26 points per game, 40% from three, eight rebounds, two assists, half a steal a game. So his number's significantly better right now um, than what Tyrese Maxey is doing. So, yeah, that, there's – I would definitely yeah. be trying to go on prop swap or something yeah. and sell my Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, Lori, Lori Markkinen was also a phenomenal surprise. Yeah, like he was. he was a throwaway in that trade, yeah. and he ended up becoming an All Star. Uh, I think the market has made Maxey such a prohibitive favorite because everybody has sort of codified the mental model of must be a first time All Star to be most improved player. Yep. And this might be the year where we see the exception to the rule. Yeah. I also just think he's going to end with a whimper because the team's going to lose games. Yep. His efficiency is going to go on the tank. And guys like Kaminga, yeah. Kobe White, Shingu, and they will, yeah. might come home over. Particularly Kaminga, who I think is just going to get more attention than those yeah. other guys because the Warriors just get a lot of attention because they're the Warriors. And if they stabilize and they make the play in, and he's seen us now, Steph's running mate going forward, uh, I think he has some upside. He's still in the 25 to 1 range. Yeah. yeah and maybe like, we could make some calls to see if Ramona Shelburne or someone could write an article about how he deserves uh, most improved. Yep. I like that. I like that. Uh, just closing note on the Sixers, I had to look it up because I was dying to know. Before the Buddy Heald trade, I only had them favored in seven games for the remaining season wow. without a lead. Yep. And what's yeah, it now, do you think? Good. Maybe like 10, but not, not enough to really change what could be a pretty nasty stench on everything Sixers once we get to April. There is a very good chance they end up as the 7 or the 8 seed, I think. All right, Trista, thank you so much for joining us. Can Thanks you tell uh, people where to follow you and uh, what you're working on? Yeah, BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern Standard Time. This was like this was like a breeze. This was awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so we're on where you can find it is Twitch. You can find it on uh, YouTube Live. It's also nationally syndicated on the radio as well, so you can find it there, the Odyssey app. And then I have an NBA podcast called The Heat Check. It's more of a comedy NBA podcast. Okay. Very, very little betting, but we talk about kind of the game within the game, make sense of the headlines. Uh, and then uh, on the weekends, you can find me on WFAN in New York, all things New York sports, and it's a call-in show. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Trista. All right, well, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Thank you again, Trista, from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Good luck, everyone, with your Super Bowl bets, and we'll see you next week. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com.